0: Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual
1: well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt.
0: Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I would like to begin our proceedings here today by calling in the ancestors. I call out to all of those who are good and true and beautiful, those who lived well, those who died well, those whose shoulders we stand on, those who dreamt of a bright future, and we came into existence. I call out to all of those ancestors, those of us gathered here today, and those ancestors of the people who will listen at other times. I call out to those ancestors to be with us here today to come to understand deep, deep wisdoms that we have fallen away from, and come back into alignment with the energies that make up this glorious, rich, and beautiful web of life of which we are all part. So I call to the ancestors to stand with us here today, to hold us in a good circle, a circle that allows us to hear, a circle that allows us to speak, and a circle that allows us to feel the truth with our hearts. And with the ancestors gathered round, I call out to the energy of the earth, that wise and ancient ancestor, and I thank her for the beauty of her dreaming. The dreaming of the earth that brought life to this planet, and I give thanks for this day. I give thanks for the miracle of life and another opportunity to be part of that miracle. I give thanks for the intricately woven web of beauty all around me in this day, and all around you, and thanks for you. Thanks for all that has come of this great being's dreaming that gives us a place so rich and so generous to live out our lives. So we give thanks to the earth for place, for home, for this opportunity to ground into our bodies, into the earth, and to do good work with our lives. We give thanks to the earth for connection and interconnection, and for the deep meaning that comes from understanding our place in our interrelationship with all things. And with our feet firmly planted and the ancestors gathered around, let us reach up into the sky, up through all the realms of the sky. To the highest power of the universe, and by whatever name we call this energy, let us call it down into our proceedings today, into our own bodies, into our lives, to bring in the power of blessing, to bring in the power of protection and generosity, to bring in the benevolence of our universe and the wisdom of that universe, that we might know what we know in our bones and in ourselves, that that awareness might come forward into our minds, that we might be guided by those things that are true in all times. So as we draw the energy of the sky down and the energy of the earth up and allow these beautiful energies to mix within us to the exact perfect blend that we need today to balance us in our own way, may these energies give us the ability to call out the power of the heart, that unique and powerful place, the heart that is the same in all realms. We call out to the power of the heart to hold the passions of the belly. With the clarity and wisdom of the mind, that we might merge and come to understand creatively in the heart why we are here. And that we may, we may use every breath we take in this day to bring those gifts forward. That those who are coming might have what they need to live well and to live in beauty. So we give thanks to these energies for gathering round us here today. May what needs to be heard be heard, what needs to be said be said. And may all things proceed in a way that is good for all living things. I give thanks to those people that make this show possible through their generosity, sharing the show, sharing their questions with me, and sharing their donations. So I give a special thanks to Gail and to Monica and to Beck and to all of the listeners who have actually donated to the show this week so that it remains free for those who have computer access, which of course means it's not entirely free, but as close as we can get at this time. So I give thanks for those people that have allowed the show to move them and allowed that movement in the heart to move them into action. For this is the essence of shamanism, to allow ourselves to be motivated by that which is true and meaningful and moves us in our hearts. And for those of you that have uh, great feelings of movement in the heart and don't quite know what to do with it, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com. And click on the support button and offer any amount, large or small, every single penny, pound, or ruble is greatly appreciated um, as it keeps the show alive for others. And if you are not able to donate, please offer the show in some way uh, to others, talk about it, share it in some way so that it grows strong. So I thank all of you for your support in making this show happen. And I want to also give thanks to the Society of Shamanic Practitioners for this is a SSP interview show. And we give thanks to them for their generous support as well. So without further ado, I would like to give thanks to our guests here today, Nan Moss and David Corbin. Thank you both for joining me today.
2: You're welcome. Thank you so much for having us.
3: And we want to thank you, Christina. It's a beautiful program, and your invocation was especially stirring. really appreciate it. It, In fact, you could say it pretty much sums up our work. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yay! So for those of you that don't know Nan and David, which is incredibly impossible, but for those of you that might not, (laughs) Nan and David are faculty members for the Foundation for Shamanic Studies. And I think at this point in time, you teach everything, right? You teach all the different <laughs> Everything um, there is to be taught. Everything yeah. to be taught. Um, right. Their region is mostly the Northwest, including Boston northeast. and New York City. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Northeast. northeast I getting dislocated here in yeah. space. Mm-hmm. And um, additionally, they lead their own um, shamanic workshops. And do you still lead this long intensive, month-long intensive?
3: I know, that was actually a work scholar program at Eslan. Um it wasn't you know, work of our own except that we led their, their spiritual aspect of, of their months long work scholar intensive that they have every month. You know, we did it for about ten years. Wow. Um and it was it was quite something realistically it was a, a nightmare to have people work all day long and then come and and attempt shamanic journeys in such a place. (laughs) But but it all, you know, the spirits were so helpful. It all came together and we really grew. I'm so grateful for the challenge and the, you know, the beauty of it all. And and we feel like at this point, 10 years
0: is enough. Yeah. (laughs) So, in addition to all of that, Nan and David have also been teaching and doing their own research on the spiritual aspects of weather. And this has been going on for at least a decade. And yeah. for those of you that haven't found it yet, which would also be unheard of, um, "Weather Shamanism: Harmonizing Our Connection with the Elements" was published um, several years ago now. And they have—you've been leading workshops in that sense, or even before, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, we we've been <clears throat> teach we first started teaching the, the weather shamanism workshops, I think it was nineteen ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Um where you know we were doing uh you know, our teaching other things and we were getting these messages from the spirits that this mm-hmm. was they really wanted us to focus on weather. Um they kept telling us that this how important it really is and how you know connected to everything weather is. You know, weather cool. is such a, a big thing in our world, uh, obviously. <laughs> I mean, so it is what we, people talk about most.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when you don't know anybody, go, so, what about Right. Um, so, uh, for those of you that don't know where to locate Nan and David in ordinary reality, they are uh, their um, counts. Their practice is located in uh, Port Clyde, Maine, still? Yep. You still mm-hmm. know? Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you want to find them in cyberspace, uh, that address is shamanscircle.com and um, the home page comes up and it says Down to Earth, the Shaman's Circle. So you'll right. be at the right place if that's what you're seeing. And you can contact each of them by their first name, either David or Nan, at shamanscircle.com. Um, so there you all go. You can find them easily in cyberspace or ordinary reality. Uh, so we are live here today. For those of you that might want to call in with questions, um, the phone number is 512 772 1938. If you are on the codash creator site, you can just click the Skype button and Skype in, or you are welcome to email me at Christina at lastmaskcenter.org, and I'd be happy to read your question on the air. So before we get into weather, which we will get into weather, um, what I would like to ask each of you, though, is as you reflect back on your life, what was the one or two truly pivotal moments, even if at the time you didn't realize it was pivotal, that brought you into this path? Uh, I mean, I'm sure you were nice, normal, good American kids at some point in time. And now look at (laughs) (laughs) it.
3: Right. You know, I I can answer that in one sense. The way so many people I've heard so many people answered is that I had this leaning as a child. You know, as a child, I knew that the, that there were things in the dark. I you know, and I wasn't particularly afraid of them. I knew that if I ran very very fast at night, once in a while, I could actually not touch the ground. You know, I knew that the clouds would were responsive. That sort of thing. And and a lot of people I hear this from a lot of people. I don't think it's necessarily a requirement, but that's how it was for me. And um and then I had a, a a big dream about a a year before I even heard of shamanism and the dream, you know, really, really rocked my soul. Um I went to a medicine man about it and, and his um interpretation I knew wasn't working for me. And so I waited and then once I did find this path, I realized how incredibly prophetic that dream was, you know, it ha- what appeared to be very frightening, and all of that was actually, actually, very beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, strong. So that would be yeah. my short story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, I, I, yeah, grew up in New York City, and in doing that, you know, which, uh, yeah, one would think there's not a whole lot of nature around. Um, but what I found, even as a child was that I was sounds a little strange, but I was talking to buildings and places, and somehow or other aware at that time that there was, well, I didn't know they were called spirits, but that the spirit of that place was very, very alive. And um, there were a number of instances when it seemed to to me that they responded in some way. Um, and that really set up, I think, from a very early age, a, a a um you know my a belief system in which everything was alive which i've always felt and um later on what really got me on a spiritual path was starting out with a study of astrology where i found that things you know really that astrology really worked <laughs> and that what that showed me was that at some level everything is connected and then going on from there into, you know, doing a lot of, of studying of mystical things and spiritual things. And that led to, um, you know, the books of Carlos Castaneda and all of that. One thing led to another. And here I am.
0: <laughs> and here you are. So now how did you two end up together? Because ah. your practice is very much of, uh, of of a partnership.
2: Yes, it is. Yeah, it's an amazing thing. We actually met at the Foundation for Shamanic Studies 3-year program where we were we had both uh yeah, you know, signed up independently. We didn't know each other at the time.
3: Well, I lived in Montana at the time, it was the East Coast program.
2: And um and it it just really seemed from the very beginning that the spirits had something in store for us. <laughs> Um, You know, that we were very much aligned uh, in the same direction um, spiritually and and with our our desire to learn and desire to to teach. And um, it just went from there in a very rapid way.
0: You know, it's funny because I think for a lot of people, because there is such a... I don't know, a loneliness in this path in mm-hmm, a sense mm-hmm. that they, they do go off to these programs and have this dream of meeting someone. And, and for like 95% of the people that do, it's a complete disaster. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so, exactly. You two are like the exception that proves the rule.
3: Well, <laughs> I have to say though, that, that neither one of us was looking for a right. relationship either at uh-huh. the time. It was just, you know, one of those things that
2: happened. So, yeah. Yeah, and again, know, yeah, the spirits had a lot to do with it. I think that that um, oh, everything. <laughs> yeah, because neither of us could have been doing the work we're doing without the other one. I think at this point, because um, we both uh, provide things that the other is is is, mm. is less good at.
3: <laughs> well, we we each had our own healing practice in our respective communities, and and we each did a little bit of teaching. But things really, really. Um you know, grew and matured, you know, rapidly when we started working together. So I sort of consider us as joined at the hip as far as the work goes,
0: you know, so. yeah. <laughs> for better, for worse. <laughs> so. You know, I think what you just said, though, is one of the signs that um, it's kind of hard for contemporary people to pay attention to, but there is a an ease in the effort of doing the work that comes when we're doing it the way we're being guided to do it.
2: You know, absolutely, and, you know, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. One, one of the well most put. important things that I've learned, you know, about life in general, shamanism in particular, is it's really about paying attention, mm-hmm. paying attention <laughs> to everything that goes on around you. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and if you do, you get so many signs and so many, Things. Like now, you know, I have certain questions about different things we're doing in our life. And every time I have a really big question, I see a license plate that has the perfect <laughs> answer.
3: <laughs> David's inventing license plate divination. <laughs> <laughs> it's really amazing. <laughs> oh. I, th- I think
0: we're having like little inside shaman jokes right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> But um, but it's what?
3: actually it's just like opening a book, you know, yeah. randomly to a passage or to a word that you needed to hear. I mean, it's just I think it's just a a very humorous way that the that the universe is working with David right now, just to show that that you know the advice and counsel is everywhere.
0: Well, yeah. you know, this whole month and I've been doing shows about teachers and, mm-hmm. and how how do you work with teachers and you know, the big teacher is life. Life is always mm-hmm. trying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right, absolutely. It, right. But but are we paying attention? Are we noticing right. are we noticing the license plates? You know, are we right. and and are we posing the question mm-hmm. so that the answer becomes apparent? I mean that's oh, absolutely. One thing people don't understand is that life is not gonna hand you the answers if you can't figure out the question.
2: Right. right. Absolutely. And that's, you know, a big part of, of divination work. You know, the answering of questions through spiritual means is how to ask the right question. Of course, that's a big part of psychotherapy, too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to ask you um, just uh, may not be the right question, but I was curious, just what guided you into becoming um, faculty for the foundation? Because what, what, that is a big piece of your mm-hmm. work.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I could say for for me that, um, you know, it was really fortuitous because when I first started um, working through the foundation with the foundation, you know, took the foundation's basic workshop uh, it was back in 1984 um, with Michael Harner and um, that he at that time lived uh, in the next town over from me. And I was able to, and he was asking for volunteers to help out with the office work and stuff. Um, so a friend of mine and I did, in fact, do some work. And um, it turned out that I uh, ended up working at the foundation for quite a few years, working with their computer system and all that, um, continuing to take many, you know, all the workshops and uh, being in very close contact with Michael. Um, and that really... Uh, you know, doing the work of the foundation, which was really you know, you know, landmark stuff and really you know, wonderful uh, contribution to the world. It really helped me to see that this would be a way to further my contribution to the world to be able to teach this material and this work. Um, so, yeah, I was just very fortunate to be in a position, a situation where I could, uh, you know, follow through with that.
3: And. Mm-hmm. Um- and for me, I just had a burning desire to teach. I was already involved in the field of education and grad school and I was also prior to that I'd been a rural school teacher in Montana and I knew teaching brought me great joy. And so when I found this path and the incredible amount of healing and fascination with life, you know that it that that it gave me um I naturally wanted to Share this with other people and be able to teach it, and so um, and I was teaching, uh, you know, you know, not not hugely, but I was teaching. And then when the when the invitation came, you know, to to serve on the faculty, it was like kind of an offer, you know, I couldn't refuse. the foundation had had you know a very good reputation, you know, and and a strong reach. Back then, there weren't, you know, it was it was probably the major game in town. You know, pretty yeah, much, was, yeah. not the only one, but one of the major games in town. So I was, you know, delighted. Just give me the word. Yeah, yeah.
2: so I just want to say yeah. how much I really appreciated, you know, how Michael Harner supported us and helped us along. And, and all the contributions that he's made to shamanism in the world. I really believe that many of us would not be doing what we're doing if it wasn't for him and the Foundation's work. So.
0: Yeah. Is there a way that that teaching nourishes you now? Because you, you're really matured <laughs> oh, yeah. into that practice oh, uh, that you yeah. never expected.
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, every time we teach a workshop, uh, I learn new things, uh, both about shamanism and, you know, and from the spirits, and teachings directly from the spirits, but also about people, which is a very important part of this. You know, the shaman's work throughout um, time has been to help the people. And um, the understanding, again, about paying attention to people and, and understanding how People live and how they react to things and how they learn is always something new that we are discovering through our teaching. Right,
3: and, and when you teach, you know, you're, you're, it's, it's. I'm in touch with my passion again. I've, I've been able to move from ordinary reality tasks into that realm of the circle. The spirits are right there, you know, moving through me. Um, I'm just, I'm just very, very alive and and a hundred percent present. So.
2: Yeah, and and all of you know all the workshops, all the the material that, that we teach always leads to new discoveries. You know, shamanism is a very alive thing, as you well know, and as most of the listeners here know, mm-hmm. um, it's very alive. It never you know, there's nothing static about it.
3: Yeah, and and we're actually not in control. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's, that was... that's
2: the biggest thing we learn every time we
0: teach. We're not in
3: control. That's one of the big and, weather lessons. Well, I was going to say that's
0: probably the perfect segue into the weather because that's where we all get reminded daily we are not in control.
3: Exactly. (laughs) We are so not in control.
0: I don't know if you've ever lived in the Pacific Northwest, but springtime in Pacific Northwest is, you know, there's seven different significant weathers in the day, every day for weeks. I mean, it's just its so, it's not even like in like a lion and out like a lamb. You got lions, mm-hmm. lambs, elephants, giraffes. I mean, it's just like yeah. every single day. You don't even know what to bring yeah. because it's so changeable and it's so extreme, right? Um, so right. it's like so you are definitely not in control, right? So how did you? So so how did you get into your weather? Talk about how, the path of how you got into this weather work and what it what it really evolved into.
3: Okay, um, briefly, I because re- I could go on for days. <laughs> I I really <laughs> I really always loved weather. You know, I re- one of my earliest memories was Hurricane Hazel. You know, I must have been about four years old. I loved weather. That was my most favorite thing about being on a fire lookout in New Mexico and the mountains was, you know, the weather, the clouds and everything and the scary storms and that sort of thing. But, you know, it would, it, it, it's amazing to me that I actually practiced shamanism for at least a decade, probably not much more than a decade, before this calling came to me. Uh, you know, I wasn't. To me, I, I realized that that I whether shamanism never even occurred to me. I thought it was just something, you know, that 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 was just sort of I don't know, mythological or taboo or or from for people from other traditions. It just never occurred to me. I'm I'm so amazed at that because the minute the minute I had the journey that was my big calling that opened the door for me, uh, it's just been this huge passion, this huge unending fascination and passion and and it's something that i'm i'm extremely grateful for and well, i it's kind never of funny isn't it? it because
0: it's one of the oldest shamanisms you know but, people Yeah. people trying, you know it's really old reason for asking right. for help <laughs> exactly you just, yeah.
3: But, you know it's something that in and when i went to the research uh you know it took me a while to get hot with that because i couldn't find anything you know i mm. couldn't find anything and it took it actually took a year or so before things really you know started heating up and and I could find things and you know in in research and books, meanwhile, in journeys, you know things were just coming through loud and clear, yeah
2: yeah, and you know again, just feeling such strong connection with with nature and with all that that is around us i can I come to it from a little bit more of a philosophical perspective of of being fascinated with the connection of all things and how everything affects everything else, and whether, you know, being such a visible and active part of us, and in some sense I, I look at weather as being really, you know, the definition of weather is the state of the universe at this moment, um, but in, as it relates to us, that state of the universe is reflected through our atmosphere, and it, it since the atmosphere is so volatile and so movable and so Able to express itself, that it creates all of these amazing yeah, uh, phenomenon that, in some way or other, actually reflect the state of the universe at that moment.
3: I, I actually spent the first year um, questioning this whole path. It was, it was, there was no question about my level of fascination for it, and you know, and passionate feelings about it. But, but I did have a question about: Is this worthy? You know, is this worthy? Okay. I should be, you know, attending to shamanic healing, you know, and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Is this worthy? What What's really up with this? And and you know, fortunately, the spirits were patient with me. And, and as things unfolded, I was astounded at at what an incredible spiritual path it is, and and how much of You know the the job of the shaman it is to to look to good relationships between the human community and the environs and you know that kind of thing the spirit of the earth and the
2: atmosphere and all of that and in fact how how it really is about healing it's about healing on a bigger level.
3: Well, yeah, and our personal growth—that was the other thing that really got to me. It was like it, it, it is healing, and with any path of healing or any spiritual path, it requires attention to your personal growth, unending attention. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so is uh, can you share kind of the basics of the weather shamanism? <laughs> I mean, you know, some people in the audience know about shamanism, and some don't, so it's a little tricky. <laughs> but just right, kind of the sure. basic principles so people can track even a little deeper with what you're saying. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it is a large subject of course. And from where we're coming from with it, um, whether shamanism, what we, you know, and it, the, the perspective is that it's not really about working any intentionally to change the weather. Um, since, you know what it really is about is a relationship with the spirits of weather, a relationship with weather in a way that that is mutually supportive. Um, in shamanism, we know that everything is alive, so that the weather itself has a spirit. Um, the weather, each type of weather has a spirit, and one aspect of weather shamanism is learning and working to communicate with spirits of weather, um, so that rather than um, you know, than trying to make it rain if there is a drought, or make it stop raining if there, you know, if there are floods, rather to work with the spirits to find out what needs to be done. Perhaps the floods or the drought is needed in an area, so you work with the spirits to find out if that's the case. Um, perhaps the spirits are wanting it to rain, but it can't because there's pollution that is preventing it, and then they need help to do some healing work around that. Um, this type of relationship is the aspect of weather shamanism that we really are working with, and what we have called that is, in fact, weather dancing, uh, mm-hmm. which has a slightly you know uh, different feel to it than weather, uh, than weather working or weather shamanism. It's the aspect of weather shamanism that really is about working on yourself and working on your relationships with those around you in order to bring not only yourself into balance, but bring the world around you into balance.
3: You could say weather dancing is, is the compassionate side of weather shamanism. It's the heart of weather shamanism. You know, weather shamanism, one definition would be, would be um, working to influence weather spiritually. Mm-hmm. you know and that implies a relationship i mean people where the outer edge of that would be would be weather modification cloud seeding we're still working to influence weather but you know i, I can't say that i know the hearts of all those who are in, involved in cloud seeding but mainly it's based on a you know a rational paradigm of the world and not a spiritual paradigm i suspect so so weather shamanism, though, you could go either way. I mean, there's there are people who work in, with weather shamanism, with their relationships, with spirits of weather to do harm. And that's something, of course, that we, you know, we would never um, be involved in or condone. Um, but you can also work with spirits of weather for the greater good. And so then we get to the heart of it, which is weather dancing, which is based in relationship. And once in a while, you have to ask a good friend for a favor. You know, if... Mm-hmm. if it's for the greater good. Does that make yeah. sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, well, I'm just thinking about it in terms of um, one of the things I, I'm constantly trying to speak to is what does it mean to have a good working relationship with spirit and, yeah. and how challenging that is for contemporary people. And, but I'm also thinking about this partly because you're talking about you know, the research. And mm-hmm. you know, there's so much of the early research that is written through the lens of that time and right. things are all, almost always defined as control over.
2: Right.
3: Yes. Exactly. Yes.
0: Even, even if that's not what the shaman said. That was what I always found right. so interesting is they'd say, well, the shaman really meant... And it's mm-hmm. like, well, no, actually, the shaman didn't mean that. <laughs> right. yeah. The shaman really meant I've been in relationship with the whatever for, you know, 30 decades. And this is a dynamic relationship like you're talking about in the dancing. But it right. still would get interpreted from this dominant control paradigm and so it's very hard actually exactly. um in contemporary times as the you know the the fruits of that dominant paradigm to say well you know actually the shamans really didn't mean what they said this is all about <laughs> the quality of our yeah. relationship with things and yeah sometimes you do have to ask your friend for a favor and sometimes your friend will ask you for one.
2: Okay.
3: <laughs> oh, absolutely Absolutely, you know, and and that's no surprise because that's that's we're the culture that this is this interpretation is coming through. You know, our paradigm, Mm -hmm. and um, and that David and I ran into that early on, and the first couple of years we were really almost accosted by people saying, "Oh, you want to control the weather? You know, power over that Mm -hmm. kind of thing," and it was never ever ever about that. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, but what is really fascinating now, and, and gives me great heart into thinking that maybe maybe some good change is going on, you know, with with not only our work, but the, your work, the work of all the other practitioners, is that is that something is shifting, because it's rare. We rarely ever hear that anymore, Yeah. even, even when we're yeah. talking to strangers about it.
2: Yeah. Hopefully, they've all read our books, so and they know it. No. <laughs>
3: yeah, well, but, you well, know, it's, actually... I'm astonished,
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. I have Sorry. a question from a listener. Actually, sure. Um, and uh, this question is, is a little bit long, but I'll, I'll read okay. it anyway it's really kind of fascinating. Okay, uh-huh. so he says that for some years now, I've had the quote unquote ability to make it snow. I started noticing it in high school, um, when it would start snowing immediately after I experienced a deep feeling of being in love.
2: Wow, oh, that's very interesting.
3: Oh, in love in general or in love with snow? Just
0: love. Uh, during that first winter, I okay. connected a certain internal experience, which had to do with a like a circular motion around the tan, so energy in the, the core uh-huh. bell. Uh, the girl uh, that he was in love with, sorry. and then it would start to snow. And at first, um, he says I felt sort of weak with this. So he says, so over three or four years, my power grew rather fast. Um, and the first um, snowstorm that he sort of participated in um, lasted for twenty minutes. Um, and as it stopped, he felt completely drained. He says now he's able to be in these, these big storms that can last for days and be energized by the whole thing. And he says he's always loved snow, especially when it's actually snowing. And for some reason, he says he's only able to affect snow. <laughs> and he wanted wants to know if any of that makes any sense.
2: That's very interesting. I just want to say that, that you were breaking up a little bit while we were listening to you. We went silent for a few seconds mm-hmm. in there.
3: But um, I think we got it yeah. all. Yeah.
2: Um, um, yeah, that's that's extremely interesting. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, you know, we we've come across people who have a special gift, you know, a special affinity for a certain kind of weather, um, and that that's really not that unusual. It's always remarkable to me, but it's not that unusual. So I have no problems um, be- accepting this, and believing this. I know he's not asking for my, you know, my judgment or anything, but I think it's, it sounds um, quite believable. And, you know, perhaps if I had such a connection, I would probably then want to delve a little deeper into, you know, how, what can I, how can I work with this? How can I work with this for, you know, my own good or for the good of, you know, the good of others? Is there something to be done with this, or am I just supposed to enjoy it and honor snow, you know? Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, and I think all through um, our our um, time as humans, we we have these people with certain gifts, you know, certain affinities like that.
2: And also, you know, sometimes with, with uh, shamanism, people have certain callings that exp- that they experience mm-hmm. in certain ways, so that could very well be that the spirits are trying to get his attention. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> right. So well, one step might be yeah. to learn to journey, and yeah. and through the journey, try to actually access the spirit energy here and develop that relationship.
3: Absolutely. You you could you, the spirits of weather um, can be found on the upper world, lower world, middle world. You know, and so it, it's we we recommend that people you know really. Um, it first begin with the upper and lower world those reliably compassionate worlds and the paradigm that we work in you know of course shamanism but also you know not to ignore the spirits and forces of of the weather here in this middle world of course which is where we all are
2: and so it also it just thought so occurred to me if this was happening to this fellow while he's feeling these experiences of love I think that, too, is, is a very major teaching or lesson from the spirits about the power of that particular emotion of love, both for each mm-hmm. other, for other people, but also in terms of this world, mm. the weathers of the world.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah and it's also interesting <laughs> that he recognizes that it is also connected with his, you know, with his belly, with that lower energy ah, center. Right, yes. right, and sure. It's kind of interesting.
3: Right. That sometimes he was drained, but then uh, as yeah. I understand it, then he broke up. And then as I understand it, at the end, he can be in a snowstorm for quite a bit of time and, and feel energized. Right. It's good for well, him. And,
0: and, yeah, because he's been playing with this for years. Yeah. This has been developing for like three or four years.
3: <laughs> well, see, and, and that here we go. Here's an example of what it is to be in a relationship. Mm-hmm. You know you want to be in a relationship with snow, you don't stay in your house and look out the window always you know go out and be in it yeah. right so yeah, well,
0: you know in my in the long workshops that I teach, you know there's always the weather aspect I mean we're supposed to be out outdoors doing different various and Sunday yeah. rituals, and so I've always asked for um the weather that we needed for the group to do what work it needed to do and And it always ended up looking like I was really good at controlling the weather. But I never, you know, (laughs) it wasn't my intent. My, You know, it's just we needed to be outside and have a fire. And so we'd clear up so we could have the fire. You know, you don't want to have a fire. You know? But then one year, we had this huge, long, like, three-part ritual that had, it was very long and involved. And this this thunder and lightning storm um, started right at the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. And and I could feel it coming on, and there were weather reports that everyone was supposed to, you know, go into the bomb shelters, you know. And I thought, oh God! <laughs> so I kept journeying about, and they said, no, no, do the ritual. And I'm going. Am I just being stupid here? You know, I'm going to get these people killed. Yeah, I mean, it was really it was mm-hmm. this huge struggle. And finally, they were just like, look. <laughs> start the ritual you know so i did and so we just got done with the fire ritual before it started to rain and then we just got out of the water part of the ritual before the lightning started i mean it was just like i was going wow "Ah!" it was was really dramatic and then there was just thunder and lightning everywhere for this last part and everyone is just completely drenched and these power objects they'd made were getting ruined in the rain Mm -hmm. it was like this huge thing they everybody finally Got done and went back up to the house, you know, for the meal and then to sleep through the night, which was the fifth part of the ri- third, fourth part. And then in the morning, there was this, you know, before dawn, final piece it was this huge, big, involved process. The moment they got inside, the damn storm stopped. <laughs> uh, <laughs> doesn't
3: they have a great sense of humor. <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, and so then I spent the night, you know, journeying to find out what was that, what was the message right. in that? What, what was it about this group that needed such powerful. Right. Lightning energy, because it, mm-hmm. it was crashing all over the place. Right. And, and, and also, why were these objects, that power objects, that they had spent the whole week creating, that they were going to spend the whole next year working with, destroyed and transformed? Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, what was the meaning in all of that? And it was really powerful mm-hmm. for this group. But but it also speaks to the whole idea that, you know, it's not about controlling the weather, it's about being in a relationship with it. And when it does what you sort of didn't really think you wanted it to do, if you trust that it's a good relationship, what was the gift in that?
3: Absolutely. Thank you for stating that. I if, if I may just add a little bit when we um we were we were part of a ritual of about thirty some people and we were famously drenched in it. Okay, one year, just drenched, and it brought up some things for people, but every every step in the ridge, everything went off beautifully, but we were all just totally drenched. The second year, the weather was going to do the same thing, so the second year we went out and had a little talk, and it was like thundering all around, all around, and you know what? The rain came down, but it came down very softly when we were doing the outside part, and then, and then you know, just pummeled the area afterwards, so that was progress. The third year... Um, the third year, the whole area was in a drought. And the ritual, the, the weather report for the whole week was getting worse and worse for the morning of the ritual. You know, every day it was looking like it was going to be, you know, worse and worse and worse. So mm-hmm. finally the morning, you could tell that the morning of the ritual, it was just going to be another, uh, you know, hours-long downpour, and which, which is what the area needed because mm-hmm. they have been in a drought. I mean, they were desperate for it. And so we looked at each other and we thought, you know, we're not going to be responsible for 30 people wishing away rain here, you know, because mm-hmm. you can't control people and tell them you must like <laughs> this, you know, what's good for you. And so so in, on the spot, we just changed the ritual to that very day. You know, mm-hmm. we just told everyone this afternoon, we're doing it. And, and mm-hmm. it went off beautifully. So it was a lesson for us. And if we can, you know, in dancing. Mm-hmm. You know, dancing with the weather with spirits. And so in the area did get their downpour, and no one, you know, was unhappy about it. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So it goes back and forth. <laughs> <So.
0: Yeah. laughs> well, I keep thinking about the dancing metaphor, though, and thinking, you know, so the weather really always has the lead, and we're just following.
3: <laughs> <laughs> right. That's how we drive across the country, you know. <laughs> we look and go, okay, do we slow up a little here or put in extra hours here? <laughs>
0: So, is there a, um, is there more you would say about this? The okay, so there's the weather piece, but also the earth piece. The earth as a teacher and and aspects of your work that um, have to deal with the earth and the interconnection. And is there more that you would want to say there?
2: Well, sure. Yeah, the, the earth yeah. Earth is so so. <laughs> The Earth is where we live, <laughs> and, um,
0: we're going to pretty all, screwed, ruin it. <laughs> yeah,
2: right. Yeah, and we're yeah. We, you know, we are doing so much to the Earth that is detrimental in, in, in our culture. I mean, just you know, every day you turn on the news and you hear these hideous things going on. Um, that you know, it just points out how really important it is to love the Earth. And, of course, weather is part of the Earth. When we talk about the Earth, we include the atmosphere and, and the surrounding you know, areas and all of that. Um, but the, to really understand what the Earth needs from us and what the Earth you know, requires for, you know, in a healing sense, because there's a lot of healing that needs to go on for the Earth, but also what it's trying to tell us about how we need to live in a good way on the mm-hmm. earth,
3: and and the main focus of our work basically is to is to initiate and support as needed um, weather circles circles of of people who work with the if you could say the local intelligence of the realm. You know, work Mm -hmm. with the beings of the realm that they live in, Um, work with the weather and the realm on behalf of that part of the shaman's job, you know, maintaining good relations between the human community and the realm, which is earth and sky. You know, that, you know, it's, it's, it's funny
0: in this time where, where you know, we as practitioners are seeing individual people with individual appointments scheduled, you know, like any other kind of healthcare provider. Mm-hmm. And I think that people don't really realize that, you know, in the beginning, you know, in first contact that, you know, the Western world had with these shamanic peoples, a, a quote unquote shamanic healing was the shaman in this big, big journey to whoever the sort of, main spirits of the realm were to find out what did the humans need to do to come back into right relationship and everybody participated and and all the transgressions and the lies and the ways the humans weren't um, in good relationship with themselves, with the environment. It was, it was um, a much more rigorous way to live and it wasn't so much. um, I always see it as a problem. There's so much secrecy around people's healing. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, where right. seems to be really public <laughs> really yeah. really public, yeah,
3: yeah, thank you for bringing that up. I hadn't even really thought about that yeah much.
2: we're we're such an individual um, society now hmm. where where um you know what happens to one person is in fact kept secret, everyone wants to to be. You know, not wants to doesn't want anyone else to know what they're doing or what's going on with them, health-wise or any other way, really. Um, and that is reflected in how um, you know non-harmonious the, the our culture is. I think, you know, in the old days they knew they did have to work together.
0: Right. Yeah, and um, a, st- a student of mine has a really particular gift that I would call um, maybe elemental healing. He's really mm-hmm. sensitive to spirits of nature, but often elementals that aren't yeah. apparent. You know, like like that. There's a water spirit here, and everyone's mm-hmm. going, "Huh? It's my backyard." right mm-hmm. you know and and he, but he 's really sensitive to them, and his like they the the conversation with them often overrides whatever overt ordinary reality conversation he 's having it 's a little challenging for him sometimes, but he did a big healing here it 's sort of related to my house. But it ended up being about working with these elemental energies that were really, I'm on 44th, like on 50th. So five blocks one way and five more blocks the other way. So he's really working with these energies over a fairly large local area. But if this were actually a village, it would be, you know, the village area. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, I thought, wow, you know, so I asked him to help something that was negatively impacting my you know my little piece of land here mm-hmm. um but this whole neighborhood benefited
2: uh-huh. Absolutely. That. Yeah. That's there
0: wonderful. were yeah. there were all these sort of stagnant elemental energies and unhappy mm-hmm. elements and i don't know right. It, right. one of the things i really experienced in manhattan is how you can get some really angry elements because right. they can't <laughs> it's like too many Absolutely. people away. they can't do what they want to do and Absolutely. then that just whips the people up
2: right Absolutely. That's one thing I've I've found about weather, too, in general. I mean, you know, so when watching the rain fall in the city and splatting on concrete, um, I felt the frustration of the rain Mm -hmm. trying to get through to the earth, trying to get to where it can do something. And when there's a storm, uh, a big hurricane or tornadoes, and you hear about all this destruction and death and all of this stuff. And I did some journeying around that, and I found that that spirit of the storm, of a particular storm, was very upset and, and sad because it couldn't do its work without hurting yeah. someone. Yeah. And we were so much there in the way it had its work to do. Yeah. And it was frustrated because we were there in the way it had, had to hurt people and didn't want to hurt anyone.
0: Right. And it's not to like ridiculously anthropomorphize these energies, but they do have their thing to do and we get in the way and anything gets frustrated when it can't do its true nature. You know, it can't do what it was designed to do. And um, I was uh, used to rent a little place in New York when I would go to New York to work with people that was right next to a water sanitation site. It It was also just like a couple blocks over from the... East River. So it a very mm-hmm. watery place. But wow. I always called yeah. it the House of the Angry Elements because <laughs> there was a water spirit there that was just in a rage. And, and, and it was really disturbing. I, I actually, the main reason I'm not going back to New York anymore is it's the only place I can find a rent and I can't be there. It's just, uh. it's unbelievable. So, but I was trying to figure out why is this energy so upset? Because my only mm-hmm. place to journey was in the apartment, but I couldn't journey in the apartment because then I'd be in the middle of it. You know, so I was yeah. trying to get somewhere where I could get some perspective on what was going on. And I couldn't get, like, far enough away in a sense to actually look back at it. And so I was trying to figure it out, and all the guys that worked in this place were hanging out, smoking outside. And I walked past, and I said, so what are you guys doing there? Just, like, like, what's the function of this station? And I swear to you, this guy looked at me, and he goes, we serve the devil.
2: Wow.
3: <laughs> now, oh he was goodness. just joking,
0: <laughs> But I'm... <sighs> It's no just like, kidding. And, and, wow. and, I, and I stopped in my tracks, not because, I mean, I knew he was joking, but I stopped in my, my tracks. And he, so he just started egging it on because he thought, you know, here was a live one. You know, yeah, I've really right, got right. going now. But I'm thinking about what it feels like to be in the apartment that was right next door and that this is what these people are saying. Not that I remotely think they were serving the devil, but the right. point is the disturbance of this water was clearly present in their awareness. Yes, but they absolutely. didn't know it was. Yeah.
2: Yes. It was a very yes. bizarre
0: moment, though. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Gets back to paying attention. Fascinating. Yeah. So, what would we have? What? What's? What's the possibility here? What would we have if we had weather circles all over? You know. Oh. Like, how many people has the Foundation for Shamanic Studies taught how to journey? Like a bajillion. Yeah. I know. <laughs> You know, what if, you know, this army of people that knows how to journey were all had this ability? What 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 was what's the possibility in that of people all over, let's say, just the United States being able to do the weather dancing? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
3: Well, that's that's my huge dream. Um, I feel like I feel like there's so much that's going on these days that that is is. Disharmonious you know and 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 stirring weather up and you know we we marvel at the record breaking you know epic storms and extremes of weather, but if you look at at our human communities you know we we have record breaking epic you know storms going on right now as well and so so I feel like it well I feel personally it's it's the best thing I can offer that I know how to offer, which is to to get these like you're you're going back to that community thing. You know, the thing of community where people know each other, they're working together and they know the realm and they're creating their own bodies of work in, in their sincere efforts to relate with and, and learn about and honor the spirits of earth and sky. And so the when there's so if you've got these you've got these circles in different areas, you know, working together over time and that sort of thing, you've got you've got some power for um for and it's an service to harmony you know people can people can when they see something that's going on they can you know work with the local intelligence of the land work with the weathers work of course for the greater good you know and the compassionate spirits it's all about compassionate work um for what does your area need but also with respect to that whole downwind effect you know, so it can't just be my neighborhood, you know, it, it also, whatever whatever happens also has to be for the greater good of the greater realm as well. And if there's really big things going on, just like with regular, you know, um, shamanic circles that people people contact to ask for healing help for, you know, like a disaster like Japan or an individual illness or something like that, these circles can network on behalf of, of you know, yeah. the earth.
2: Yeah, So so the big Picture and, and ideal uh, world would be one where there was health, health in the planet. That the world would be a healthy place. That there would be rain where it's needed, and you know, and, and dry where it's needed, and and all of that. We can't ever say what that would be, but we can work in these circles to help the weather do what it needs to do. Also you know help the world in general be a better place. Uh, I think a lot of the 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 anger in the world, a lot of the political nonsense that's going on, a lot of the wars and all that is still reflective of the lack of of this kind of weather dancing, if right. you will.
3: And and we're mm-hmm. talking about working partnerships or alliances of shamanic practitioners, compassionate spirits and forces of earth and sky, you know, of all the 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 world. we're we really are all in it together, so each circle would have its own, you know, original medicine
2: to offer. And, you know, one thing, too, is that we have in, in in our culture now a tremendous responsibility. Those of us who know how to journey, who know about shamanism and other forms of spiritual work, too, it's not just shamanism, but we have a bigger picture than, than our ancestors did. You know, we know not only about the spiritual realm and the spiritual world, we also know about technology. We know about physics and science and how everything works physically. And that really expands the amount that, that we can know and we can do. So with that responsibility, we, we can create more than we ever could before. We can heal more than we ever could before. We could also destroy more than we ever could before. So that's why we have such a big responsibility to really pay attention, to really work on ourselves to become more in harmony, not only with each other, but also with nature and the weather and the earth.
3: Right, And, you know, the the challenges of climate change that we used to speak about as being, you know, something that our grandchildren would have to deal with, you know, it it really seems like they're upon us now. So we're not only working for us now, but we're also working for our descendants, you know?
0: So we have a Hmm. caller, actually, but I actually got so excited I wasn't paying attention. So I'm really <laughs> apologizing. So, so Phyllis um, in Colorado has called in and she has a question. So Phyllis, would you like to share your question with us? Uh-oh, maybe we waited too long for Phyllis. I, guess so. <laughs> I got on a roll. <laughs> I'm sure okay, a well. Hi. Oh, hi, Phyllis. Oh. Is that Are you there? I'm here. (laughs) All right, Phyllis, what's your question?
1: Well, um, I noticed that um, Nan mentioned weather modification. And one of the things that I have been um, deeply concerned about recently after learning more about it is something that um, I'm sure many people are not aware of, but I have come to believe with uh, the looking into it that I've done is very real, that uh, something that's, be, that's called Geoengineering, scientists who are engineering the planet. And they're doing, I believe, weather modification on a huge scale, mm-hmm. uh, putting aerosol chemicals into the air. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is something that I would say, oh, this is science fiction. This isn't really true. But uh, two things. One, I can go out and I can watch uh, Many, many planes flying through the sky, leaving these trails that linger and last and get carried away in the wind and look like they become clouds, but they aren't clouds, um, not naturally formed clouds. And then also um, i I know there was a conference uh, in San Diego with the um, it was the Association for the Advancement of uh, Science, and geoengineering was one of the big things on um the docket and hearing those scientists talk was just frightening to me i mean they're i don't think they're really just talking about doing this my belief is that they are really doing it right now uh-huh. and have been for years there have been several videos that people have made about it uh inquired and they inquiries made and people get blown off as kind of cranks or crackpots mm-hmm. or something but, okay, Phyllis. Um, do you have a I mean, question
0: for us, though, relative to this? Well, are
1: you aware of this? Yeah. And I mean, I can't believe the spirits yeah. are very happy about what's happening, yeah. and it just deeply hurts me. And every time sure. I'm outside and I look at the sky and see this going on, mm-hmm. it's just—it's depressing.
2: Sure. sure. I mean, there's a, there's so much going on that we do and don't know about, um, you know, with, with scientifically and and other ways that that uh, people working to to Change the earth and change the weather, and our work is really focused on helping us come, you know, come to a place where we can all really appreciate the world in a much better way, and not try to have control over it. And yes, it is very frightening what's going on. Right?
3: What I mean, I, I I have heard of what you're you, what you are speaking of before. I don't know anything. You know, substantive about it, but I do know that weather modifications practiced all over the world. You know, practically every day, and to me, that's just all the more reason why we need to to work intentionally mm-hmm. to be in good relationship with the weather. Because you know, consciously, we're 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 messing with the weather in our culture, with our technology, but also unconsciously, mm-hmm. we're all affecting the weather. Right, right. And so that I I I know of no better way to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Other than to try to balance it out.
0: Thank you, Phyllis. Yeah, it's just
1: is so sad that, I mean, there's...
0: yeah. Yes, yeah, thank you, Phyllis. So, Nan and David, we've already run out of time.
1: Wow, that was quick. Can you believe
0: it? I'm um, so <laughs> <laughs> sorry That's about not that. Fun. But, fun. Um, but before we completely run out of time, mm-hmm. I did want to mention your upcoming weather shamanism workshop.
1: For those who are now
0: thrilled and can't wait to go, will be April twenty-seventh through May first. It's a five week right. workshop. Um in the Cascade Mountains near Twissip?
3: Twisp, yeah. near Twissip. it's Twist. Skeletude. Yeah. Skeletude um, retreat center. Yeah.
0: And so I so should people just go to your website to get more information about that?
3: Um, they can also yes, they can. Uh Lindsay Swope is is our sponsor and, and she's the um Proprietors of Scalitude, and they could, um, I'm sure Lindsay's website, it's on our website, but I think they could also Google Scalitude, S-K-A-L-I-T-U-D-E, Scalitude Retreat Center, and I'm sure that they'll um, have us up on the schedule.
0: Great. And Nan and David can be found at ShamanCircle.com. And their book, Weather Shamanism, can be found anywhere at this mm-hmm. point. And, um, and we didn't mention it, but there's also um, a divination card set called Cloud Dancing. And is that also available widely? Yeah, yeah
2: that's, that's uh, no, available. actually it's
0: available through us and through yeah. workshops. Yeah, through our website. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. beautiful. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you both so much for joining me today.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you, Christina,
0: and more power to you. Well, thank you very much. So we give thanks to the spirits for gathering around us here today, the spirits of weather, the spirits of the ancestors, the earth below, the sky above. And we give a special thanks to the heart that unites us all. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Nan and David. And thanks to your ancestors for dreaming the two of you up that you might be here to help us at this time. Thank you all.